Hi everyone, Anthony Fantano here, internet's busiest music nerd, and you are listening to a brand new episode of The Needle Drop Podcast. Thank you for being here, and in this episode, I have an interview with a very special guest, a rapper, a philosopher, Hellfire Club member, and unbeknownst to you up until this point, Connecticut skee-ball champion. Who that? Who that? That's that's you. That's Milo. How you doing, I dude? I didn't win. I, I didn't you're, win ski ball. You're you're always a winner in my eyes, though. No, you were really fantastic at ski ball. I was pretty pretty bad. And somebody got stabbed at that show. Someone did get stabbed at that show. Sometimes people bring up in in rap songs or even in conversation how dangerous where they live is. Mm-hmm. And and you and I were at maybe one of the most innocent rap shows to ever tour the country, mm-hmm. and yet someone got stabbed outside. Right. Um, so you got to expand your definition of sensitive and soft and sweet because yeah, absolutely. Stuff. And and also just you know rethink rethink what you think of Gunwave in New Haven. Oh, is that the that's the punchline? Damn. The, there's yeah. There's there's a lot of good uh. The, the, there's a lot of good <laughs> Connecticut gun related you know phrases. Do you and own euphemisms. a gun? I don't own a gun. If I lived in Gunwave in New Haven, I might. <laughs> or if I lived over in Hartford, which some people call Hateford. Oh. What? Um. And there's also a place called Bristol. Don't go through Bristol unless you got a pistol. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good phrases having to do with firearms and, uh, and, and Connecticut, but, but more about where you are. I mean, I haven't talked with you since you sort of relocated and you're living on the West coast now. Is that correct? No, man. I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Again, I thought you were on the West coast for a while. I was, I was, <laughs> is this a plot device or, or are you, are you real? You really didn't know that? No, I really didn't know that dude. I'm, I'm not, I, I, <laughs> I'm not keeping track of your location. Should I be? Should no, I be making sure be. I know where you no, live? No, no, okay, no, good. No, I just, I just wanted to know. Uh, yeah, man, I left LA. I was there for, uh, I guess about six months. Um, okay. So, so when I talked with you about that online, it seemed like your reasoning for doing so was to sort of put yourself into a better creative headspace so that you can kind of also be shoulder, uh, shoulder to shoulder with these artists who you sort of looked up to and, uh, held in very high regard, you know, open mic Eagle bus driver and just the whole hellfire crew in general. Um, and, and, and now you're sort of back in Wisconsin, which is, you know, obviously your home base. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what, what, what sort of, uh, uh, made that change, you know, back to, back to where you were? Well, uh, I think what you said, man, I went to LA to try to be influenced by, by great artists and to learn from them and learn styles from them and, you know, just work habits and ethics. It's not really obvious when you start rapping that it might become a job for you. Hmm. And when it does, um, you know, there's not a manual that lets you know how to do it, how to do it well, and how to do it continuously. So being able to know someone like Reagan Farquhar, a bus driver, who's like, you know, been been a lifelong career rapper, it just seemed important to go to L.A. and learn how to do that. And um, I guess once I felt comfortable with my knowledge, I... I left, hmm. and now I'm now I'm trying to uh, execute what I learned in practice with my own label called Rubia. So you so you kind of approached it uh, as more of like a, 
I'm going to school for sort of like a limited amount of time sort of thing, as opposed to like turning this, right, turning this into a lifestyle, I guess. I mean, I don't really know any other way, uh, I guess, to go about doing things. I feel very comfortable it, with that kind of a dynamic of going and, and seeking, I guess, knowledge. <laughs> That's a dumb thing to say out loud like that. But yeah, man, we, I went to L.A. to learn how to be a career rapper. Well, I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a sort of the, the idea of looking f- for knowledge like that. I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad way to look at it. I mean, I think if, I mean, a change of setting is great, but I think um, your your music is really personal. Your music is really, is, is really you and it's really intimate. And I kind of feel like while it was great and it's great that you go someplace to sort of learn ideas and learn skills and, and learn, you know, work ethic, like you were saying, from from other artists who have sort of been doing this longer than you. Simultaneously, I, I feel like where you're from is sort of essential to who you are. And if you were to change that permanently, that would probably mean a permanent change for you as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think like, that, like nobody turns college into their whole life. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You, you go to school and then eventually you leave that school environment. Um, is, is that kind of how you saw it? Like in order to continue doing what you were doing successfully and sort of continue to grow, you had to sort of be in this area, learn, and then go away to be on your own to sort of, you know, I, I guess, uh, think of these ideas while you're solo. Well, I think that. I think it goes, I don't know, it might even be simpler than that. It might just be like, to qualify something as knowledge, it has to be, you know, demonstrated. It has to be communicated. Sure. Um, and that's how, that's how you know you know. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and, and just like, within the dynamic of Hellfire Club too, man, you have to know, like, I'm 10 years younger than the younger dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> all of my ideas are coming from a place of like, oh, that's the, you know, kind of little homie. And I don't mind that. That's cool. But uh, I definitely want my own thing to be able to, you know, test out bizarre ideas and stuff. Like I wanted to do this rap zine called Abruxo. Mm-hmm. And we did that last month. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, ideas like that that really wouldn't fit in the context of a of a Hellfire universe. Hmm. Um and while back here, back in Milwaukee, there's a really strong DIY art scene here. Very, very strong. And so, you know, moving back, buying tape dubbers, getting into manufacturing all of my own products by hand. I like that stuff, man. I like approaching this like a craft. It's important to me to keep that going. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot to... Uh Sorry, I mean it's a it's it's a lot to think about. I mean, do you think uh I was I was kind of having this conversation recently about um about scenes with someone and you know, you were just talking about the art scene that that, that you came from. Um mm-hmm. you know, do do you sort of prefer it to the LA scene? I mean, is there something about it that obviously attracted you to the point where you felt like you needed to go back and participate in it? rather than sort of well, yeah, ha- hang out in this. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are going to naturally see L.A. as like a bigger pond, you know. The thing um, is, is, L.A. is like too many scenes. L.A. is a confluence of scenes on top of each other. And especially regarding rap, you have L.A. underground. You have L.A. mainstream. Hmm. Like uh, 
then you have the, the convergence of the two when Kendrick Lamar goes to Bananas, which is the event that Verbs hosts. And you're like, whoa, what the fuck is going on? Why are these worlds even on top of each other? Yeah. And um, those kind of things, just like, I don't know. I didn't like how they were affecting my mind and my thoughts. And like, I was, I rented this like little tiny garage from a lady to make music in. And I would see certain people in that neighborhood sometimes and I would be tripping off of it. And then I would be like, man, why do I give a fuck? And just, you know what I mean? You start to buy into all that kind of stuff when you're surrounded by it in LA while out here in Milwaukee, I I would say the scene here is not focused so much on the creator as it is on what is created. Hmm. And that's, that seems like a better model to be working from, you know, like you want to be, you want to be like, yo, this thing I made is dope, not, yo, I'm dope, and you should be paying attention to my every movement. Scenes really have just so many ups and downs to them. You know, not not to say that you made the 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 wrong move. I'm talking in reaction to everything that you said about the the L.A. Scene. It's a little, um, you know, the the scenes can have a lot of attention on them, which can definitely help out your career. If you're a part of this, I guess, kind of, uh, uh, music journalism blitz, like, Oh, everybody from this one immediate area is like really cool and really interesting. All of a sudden, (laughs) uh, you know, when we just, and we, and we just started paying attention to them for whatever reason. Uh, but then simultaneously, uh, you know, there, there, some people float to the top of that and then all the people stuck at the bottom, you know, only have so much leeway and influence. And I guess, uh, uh, the, the, there's a bit of a glass ceiling there once the kind of stars have been established, I guess, until things kind of cool down. And then you sort of have this Kendrick Lamar come out of nowhere. Like just, just when people thought there was really no reason to pay attention to that area anymore, somebody just comes out of it and it's like, Oh wow, that guy's, that guy's really great. Um, but, uh, but on the flip side of that, you know, sort of being in a small scene and I, and I imagine that this probably isn't the case where you are. I mean, I don't think you would be there if it were, but sometimes with a small scene, people can be sort of, uh, uh, close minded to new ideas and only want to support, you know, certain sounds or certain artists. I mean, you know, uh, uh, certain ideas can kind of, uh, uh, be established within a particular local scene. And then people just want to support that sound or support the artists that kind of give them that sound and, and, and avoid anyone mm-hmm. else. I don't know. In my experience has been the inverse, man, which is why I returned, uh, yeah. in LA, I would definitely say like rap and rap habits, uh, tend to be more motivated by, you know, whether or not it's a paid opportunity. And that makes sense. It costs more to live in LA. Um, you know what I mean? In sure. Milwaukee, the pace of life is slower. It's cheaper to live here. And so I'm doing a lot more experimenting and playing with people I would never normally play with just because I can. There's nothing riding on it. It's not hmm. a big deal, <laughs> you know? And I, uh, I kind of like that. Yeah. But I think, too, what you were talking about earlier, um, maybe like why Milwaukee scene versus L.A. scene, in L.A., something that I experience, which obviously anyone who listens to L.A. rap knows, is just like everyone in L.A. is so proud to be from L.A. and a rapper. And you're like, man, I'm not from L.A., but I'm a rapper. Hmm. And uh, I don't know. My mind would just wander like, shit, I should return to Milwaukee. I, I'm good at what I do, and I could be incubating things instead of just kind of uh, 
experiencing them here. Well, I think that's I, I think that's the kind of mindset that you would expect from somebody who, you know, li- like you were saying earlier, the youngest dude in the rap crew who is ten years younger than the youngest dude and is the the little homie. Uh, that dude who came up in <laughs> in the the, <laughs> the 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 internet age that you did isn't going to see location as big as a big deal. You know, like you're going to want to be where you're comfortable, you know, not where you think you can make it, you know, because in, in your mind, you could make the kind of music that you want to make anywhere and you don't need to be anywhere other than the internet in order to give it to the people who want to hear it. Right. Yo, the man, I mean, that's really true. And a lot of that is like big ups to, you know, you, thank you, sir. And, and other trust individuals who, when I was in, in college, literally in nowhere made, uh, you know, made my rap career possible early on. And so I think I've had that demonstrated to me. Those guys are from LA. They've only ever, you know, orbited the LA scene. And so there's just a huge importance on location for them. But yeah, I experienced a different thing. So kind of just living out your days in Milwaukee, is that kind of your plan? Or do you think, uh, you know, and just like kind of quietly just working at your craft? Or do you think that you can kind of be in this you know, small, sleepy place, but still have, I guess, kind of big musical ambitions. Yeah, I have, um, I have some ambitions, man. Right now, what I'm doing in Milwaukee is just building infrastructure. And so here, things are cheap. I'm able to have a studio and an apartment, you know, stuff like that. Sure. And when starting this label and like cultivating a roster and talking to artists who are all over the country and who are like my age, and like kind of trying to convince some of them to move and wanting to build a community and then wanting to really just transmit a strong and clear aesthetic that is totally our own. I mean, I I don't think there's a lot of rap being made like what I make, and I don't even think what I make is that experimental. I know lots of people who make weirder stuff. Hmm. And so I just want to, I guess I want to explore that vein and, and hopefully be able to give a name to it and a home to some of those kind of artists with Ruby Yacht. Um, so, so my goal is really to make Milwaukee a, a, a rap destination. Ultimately, I don't, I don't think this town uh, will be considered sleepy much longer, even if it is much anymore. I mean, on the touring circuit, it's a really dope spot. <laughs> yeah, I I, th- I think sleepy was uh was was the wrong word. I mean, you know, it's it's a smaller city. Yeah, no, you know, it's it's not it's not seen as on large a scale as um, uh as 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 L A or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as the hip hop destination, um, but but you seem to really kind of have uh a passion for that immediate area, and you sort of want to you know. Put it on the map, sort of, you know, in 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 maybe not in the same way, but sort of like in an alike way to the whole straight out of Compton thing, you know, because up until up until the release of that record, I mean, Compton wasn't known as this musical destination or a place that anybody super significant was from as far as music goes. I think that what I would like to do though is maybe even make a final point about geography, though, which is like mm-hmm. if a dope, please do. If a dope alternative rap label can come out of Milwaukee at this time and really cement itself, then I think it sort of is like, who even cares where you're from anymore? You know what I mean? <laughs> like that yeah. uh, That being, 
I guess the difference between our thing and NWA's thing. Because Compton is like, they stake their entire claim on Compton's existence. While I think when my situation, it's defying a location and therefore kind of dismissing location in general. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, uh, I mean, there there are a lot of great labels out there that I follow pretty closely, but they, they, they don't so much specifically deal in hip hop that, um, yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't know where the hell they're from. Honestly, like I, I don't know. And, and, and the thing is, I mean, they may be from somewhere, but they don't necessarily announce it. Um, right. You know, I, I have no idea where the hell uh, uh, software records is from. I have no idea where triangle records is from. I have no idea where, where what's your rupture is from. Is Mexican summer right. from Mexico? I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. No, probably not. Please define polygon. My favorite Jay Electronica song is Charlie Style. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? <laughs> Mike Eagle? It's real good. It's real good. <laughs> Yo, did you see uh, uh did, did did you see his rap god comment, Jay Electronica, talking about how he's the god of rap in response to sort of seeing J. Cole and, and, and Drake or you know, he was talking on, on during a performance about how he's how he's the god of rap. I mean if you're not talking about Reagan, Michael, or David, then I guess yeah. I would say Jay Electronica. Well, I mean, I, I was, even... my my response to that personally was like he he actually is the god of rap because we 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 never see him and we almost never hear him, and you know we, all we know of him are these old documents that we just mull over just again and again and again and again. <laughs> so I mean, in in that respect, he very much is like you know the the deity of uh, <laughs> of of hip hop. Dude, there's I don't know something about Jay Electronica, man, like. Really, only magical. No, there is, which which is which is why he's oh, so... kept up so much all this attention for so long. No doubt, no doubt. Not not to sort of talk to you as if I'm an old man and you're someone who's super young because we don't really have that much of an age difference. But I, I think what people in your generation and younger really start need to really start uh, to need to prove to people, and this is happening mm-hmm. little by little. Um, is that location just doesn't matter anymore. You know, we're not tethered to a scene. We're not tethered to a location. Uh, you can make great music anywhere. You can promote great music from anywhere. You know, you don't need to be, you, you don't need to move to New York to make it, which I mean, when, when, when I was, you know, uh, uh, in college, um, you know, th- there were musicians who I knew in my immediate area who were like, we're getting the hell out of Connecticut. <laughs> we're going to go to New York and we're going <laughs> to fucking make it, which, you know, I, at the time I thought was ridiculous, but, um, but that's actually the story of a lot of musicians from Connecticut. I mean, Thurston Moore's from Connecticut. Right. Uh, there are actually quite a few popular musicians, uh, uh, who made it, you know, either in the mainstream or in the underground who are from Connecticut. But the thing is in the, in the internet age, that's not how the, 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 the model works anymore, no. you know? Um, and, uh, uh it, 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 it just kind of seems like, you know, unless, you kind of had an opportunity like you did, like there are already artists out there who fuck with your music and you know, who you could gain insight from on a really close and personal level because they'll sort of allow you into their musical world and sort of, you know, watch them create and, you know, give you the ability to collaborate with them. Unless you're kind of allotted that opportunity. I don't really see the point in just moving to some place just to make the art you want to make. You should be able to make the art you want to make, uh, anywhere. 
um, you know, especially in the digital age, uh, unless maybe you make, unless maybe you make like organ music and there's like some kind of super awesome organ in like Norway mm-hmm. or something in like an old mm-hmm. church that only sounds a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> uh, and, 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 and you, you got it and good. Yeah, that too. And you got to go out there. You got to go out there to play that organ. But you know, <laughs> other, other than that situation, I, I don't see why you got to move. I mean, I think that you should travel, but yeah, I don't know if you have to move. Oh yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely travel. I mean, you know, nothing wrong with traveling. I mean, you know, that you should, you should make music, gather some attention behind it. And then as soon as the first opportunity comes to tour, take it. Have you 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 toured internationally yet? Have I toured internationally? I've, I've been outside of the country doing what I do. Yeah. That's really dope, dude. (laughs) That's where did you go? Um, I went to, I think I went, I went to Barcelona earlier this year to do Primavera, to do Primavera sound. I know it's crazy. I, I never, I I never would have thought I would go to Barcelona ever in my life. What'd you eat over there? Um, I, I don't know, just like vegetarian stuff. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like a metropolitan city. I mean, most of everything you can get over here, you can get over there um ah, but that's not the stuff i would want but i i see what you mean yeah i know but i'm vegan so i gotta keep it vegan everywhere you know what i mean yeah man reagan's vegan touring with him is interesting he has to like eat subway every day just salad bread <laughs> well i was mostly uh i was mostly just uh taking in the architecture more than i was the uh the food in the downtown area ah. there's a lot of gothic architecture down there it was pretty freaking awesome frozen music Yes, architecture. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's frozen. It's frozen music. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. I, I didn't. I didn't invent that saying, but I can't remember who did. That's so. <laughs> take take credit for whatever you 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 stole and don't remember its origins. Okay. And and then once once the person who actually did make it up and is angry with you comes comes knocking on your door, you're like, that's where that came from. You know? Cool, dude. Thanks for the reminder. Oops. All right. So uh, does even even though uh, uh t- t- tell me how recently did you move back to Milwaukee? How, how how recent was that was that move back? I moved back to Milwaukee in February. Okay, so that's that's not too long ago. Um, so so you while you were over there in L.A., you yeah. made quite a bit of music out there. Um, I made so much music. You yeah. made a lot of music out there, and and you released quite a bit of it too. Uh, did did you make that whole Scallops Hotel uh, sort of album, the Plain Speaking record? Uh, did you make that out there entirely, or did you make that some of that uh, in Milwaukee? I made. All of that. Well, no, shit, I didn't make all of it. I made 85% of it in Milwaukee. Okay, okay. I made uh, the first song in L.A. That was like, Mm -hmm. the first song was made in L.A., and then I think we moved like three days later. You made this record, 85% of this record, once you moved back to home base in Milwaukee. Uh, You know, what, what did your creative process turn into you know in in this more familiar place as opposed to when you're in la sort of in this quieter setting where you're by yourself and you're not sort of distracted by the fact that you're in this larger area and that you're uh with these other artists who at one point you know for sure you idolize but i mean i'm sure the the longer you stayed over there the more you just kind of got to know them as as people and just kind of on a personal level um 
you know, uh, once you were in this quieter space, uh, what, what did your creative process turn into? Were you able to focus better? Did you feel happier with the end result of what you made? Yeah, man. I mean, I think in LA, you know, that, that phrase proximity kills your heroes. Um, I don't know. It's almost kind of important to go through that. I think to really start making good stuff. (laughs) Um, and yeah, man, by the time I got back to Milwaukee, I was able to make things entirely alone for the first time in my music making career from the beginning to the end. Like I could make the beat. I could obviously write the raps. I can record myself, mix it, master be totally done, dub it to tape. Like that kind of agency really just motivated the making of plain speaking. I mean, that whole thing probably took two, three weeks to make. It was just, you know. Yeah, you you didn't know how to do a lot of that stuff back when yeah. I, f- I first reviewed you. Right, exactly, exactly. And I mean, that was something that I could have abandoned. I mean, obviously, my early tapes are pretty janky sounding, but it's something that I just really am passionate about learning more about. And I and I'm not, I'm not even professional quality. I don't think on any of the things that I do. But hmm. I uh, I don't know. I'm trying to get better every day, and I like. I don't know. I I feel motivated by these sort of technical things that you have to, that you have to, or you don't have to, but should learn about making music. It just, Mm. uh, I don't know, it motivates me. But in LA, the process was way different and and it's cool. I finished this album with um, Kenny Siegel, uh, a Milo album that'll actually be coming out pretty soon. Um, And working with him, in like a in like a professional studios and like really nice mics and I wouldn't have to touch any knobs or anything. You just go in there and wrap the thing once and everyone's like so stoked that you did it once. And hmm. yeah, that's a way different feeling than being in like a weird ass old factory um, recording myself by the space heater trying to like put a high pass filter so you don't hear the going on <laughs> you know it's a, it's a different vibe so, so the, <laughs> the 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 problems around you are sort of guiding the mixing process yeah but they're guiding the content too man like sure. i guess i'm i'm all over the place man i apologize but i i guess what i'm trying to illustrate by these two examples is just like how how matters of place affect the process and like why scallops hotel um is you know more it it, it sounds like it was made in a creaking old wooden place because it genuinely was made in a creaking old wooden place and so you're not you know you're you're the 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 other setting i mean it was great to learn there but it was a little too sanitary you're not like drake you're not in the studio one take you're on the iphone you know, re- reading your lyrics right off the iPhone. Yeah, I've done that stuff, and it's cool, but it's, like, not what I want to do all the time, and it's definitely not what I find to be fulfilling or, you know, it's just not that dope. <laughs> but I've done that, yeah. I've, I've been Drake off the iPhone. It, it sounds like, you know, you just get more out of... Dude, like, there's so many weird things that happen when you're a musician that nobody will ever know about, like, we went, Mike, one time Mike Reagan and I went to Dave Grohl's studio to record with Jill Scott. And I did the verse off the iPhone, like what you're talking about. And uh-huh. we're all like, what the fuck are we doing here? And like that song, I don't, that song probably is already deleted three times over. Who, you know what I mean? 
And you're just <laughs> was that supposed to be on her? Was that supposed to be on her new I record? It was supposed to be on anything. I don't even. <laughs> I don't know why I was even there, man. But that's the kind of stuff that you find yourself doing in beautiful studios in L.A. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck was I doing that for? I could have been in my bedroom throwing down five different songs on an album I could, you know, put on Bandcamp next week. And so, 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 so you're like, you know, essentially in the room, Jill Scott's there, Dave Grohl's studio, and you're just like, man, I wish I was on Bandcamp right now. I wish I was just no. like home recording my own stuff. It's just like, it's just like you know at that level – of musicianship and that many people involved and it's just like yo i'm like this isn't me like i don't even you have employees your creation process involves employees can you like what the fuck yeah i don't know it just blows my mind and yeah it's not it's not for me so, although i don't feel like i'm that meme guy uh but no probably not but i mean you're 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 saying <laughs> some people thrive in that environment and some people it it's it seems like to me you kind of want to be like this I don't know this jack of all musical trades when it comes to every single step of the recording process of your music sort of I, sort of stepping into a studio and be like yeah man got the verse and then just passing it off to some dude to produce it and then passing it off to another dude to mix it and master it or whatever and then passing it off to another dude to uh uh sort of put it onto a tape that just kind of seems inauthentic or something it doesn't even seem inauthentic it just um for me it's how i've been able to make money and live Hmm. and and so i've become passionate about my craft it has nothing to do with me feeling like anyone else is doing something inauthentic i just coming up in a different music business time you know i have to um i have to figure out how to make a living by selling my music and obviously digitally is not the way that that happens often yeah and so what i found is if i go through and i make sure that on every level of this thing that i'm making i had involvement if not total involvement then i I'm giving this thing that I'm making worth, right? I'm saying this is worth my time in all these different ways. Hmm. And I put that time up and I don't know, it's it's been an interesting thing when I have to obviously sell my art. And and that's why I do it, man. I don't know. It, it, it I don't it's not a matter of authenticity. I just Yeah, um, authenticity is no, probably no, the wrong cool. no, term, but I, I, but I'm not harping on that. I just I've had this conversation a few times, sometimes at, at shows or with other musicians, and there's, you know, my obviously the way that I have written my music and write my music, there seems to be this idea that maybe I think I'm like the most authentic man. <laughs> like, I'm really out here, dog. And I'm just, I do this shit because that's how I've been able to eat, and it's for no other reason than that. And And now I'm passionate about it, and I want to do it because I don't see anyone else doing it. But I don't know. That's it. <laughs> well, go, okay. Go, going off of that, just just one thing to sort of clarify what I was saying. Not on, only just to you know sort of get um, a definite answer out of you on on this. It seems like the more you involve yourself in the process, the more you can put what you feel is like your personal spin into every aspect of the music, which makes it more personal for you because the music in the past that I know that you've made where, um, 
other people have been producing and, and maybe other parts of the, the, the creative process too have been passed off to other people. Uh, that music sounded very different to me than what you were just doing on, you know, Scallops Hotel in terms of just the aesthetic of it. <laughs> and, you know, do, do you feel like you're uh, uh, in, in sort of involving yourself in more steps of that process? Do you feel like you are um, sort of giving people a more personal product, giving people more you in the music. Yo, thank you for asking such a uh, a great question, man. <laughs> I mean, that's like a question. I feel like uh, well, I, I mean, and it's not even so much a question yeah, no, as no, no, no. as much as it is. It just kind of seems like that's what yes, you were getting at, man, you know, by yes, saying, like, yeah, I want I want to be able to scallops hotel shit is a way for me to make my own beats under a lower stakes operation and then be able to yeah. import that knowledge into the milo operation so when i'm in a room with the studio mm. i can communicate my ideas fluidly if not just demonstrate you know and so um the music is able to become uh, way more personal because yeah I, for once i'm able to really have a hand in in the architecture and the structures and that stuff really opens me up lyrically and and i mean especially earlier on with like you know weird flow flow problems and and rhythm problems and stuff like that and and being attracted to a certain type of beat but not being able to change it or morph it or make my own version of it to accommodate what I needed to say. Okay. Um, well, well, to go off the second thing that you were saying earlier, and and I think this is something that sound, that 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 people of of your generation and younger also need to work against, um, and 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 maybe working against kind of uh, uh, just just by fact that you're like this is what I got to do. You know, this is just like the the fact of life. Um, you know, it just kind of seems like people my age and older. Uh, uh, are still stuck on this idea of like, you know, uh, the moment art starts making money, it's inauthentic or you've sold out in some kind of way, or it's just like, you know, totally uncool. <laughs> Whereas, you, you know, you sort of seem to be the f- talking about the fact that you've been making a living off of this in this really just kind of frank and open way. And, and, um, I mean, it's not, it's not, and, a, and, and not in like, you know, sort of a typical hip hop braggadocious kind of way. Just as like, you know, this is how I eat brew. Yo, man, we have to demystify it. That's something that my OGs taught me, you know, like bus, that's his huge thing. We have to demystify it. Like, this is just a job, man. Like mm-hmm. a really dope one, one that I'm passionate about and was groomed to be good at. But at the end of the day, this is how I earn a living. And so to talk about it any other way is to do it a disservice, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially when you start talking about it in these weird clouded ways, I, I just don't even understand why. I guess if, if you were very wealthy, that would be why. But the majority of rappers I know aren't. And they kind of try to hide that maybe or, or not talk about it as an occupation, which I think is part of the reason why especially independent rap is the way that it is today because constantly you you have the people doing it telling you not to do it that it isn't lucrative that it is a loser career that it you know what i mean it's like why are you doing that sure and you wonder why i'm 10 years younger than the youngest homie in the crew it's like <laughs> you, you didn't water the fields yeah oh that that's actually a really interesting observation i don't know that's uh that was tangential but like I don't know. It is a job, and it's one that I love. And especially trying to get 
you know, my friends involved who are musicians and in pursuing this as, as their careers, it's, it's definitely become useful to speak about it in these open terms. So I guess, yeah, that's part. I, I think, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I think the reason we kind of have people sort of with that bitterness is because like you were talking about, uh, people sort of talk about this career and this sort of life in very mystical terms and in very sort of inflated right. terms. Um, so, so as a result, I mean, you know, you, you have music fans that are either sort of angry and sort of jealous over the fact that all you do is like say words into a <laughs> microphone and you make money and then they're pissed about that. And so as a result of, 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 of that jealousy, they hate you and they hate anybody else who they can kind of compare to you sort of doing the same thing that you're doing. But on the flip side of that, there are also other people who, uh, uh, yeah. And, and, and those people, even though they hate you, they're still buying into this mystery, you know, even though they think that, even though they think that they're being real by sort of rejecting the idea of, 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 uh, of, yeah, that person's famous, fuck that guy. (laughs) They're not being real because they're still, even though they're angry and they're rejecting it, they still believe that, that, that lifestyle and that, you know, that, that lavish idea of what it's like to be a musician or a rock star or a rapper or whatever is, is like a real thing. And then on the other side, you have people who accept the mystery is real, but they buy into it and they love it. Right. And, and they, they use that belief that you're this famous rapper or that, you know, so-and-so is this famous rapper to sort of build up their opinion of that person. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe how amazing this person is. They're, they're famous and they're rich and you know, they're, they're having sex with this person and that person. And, uh, their, 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 their lyrics that somebody else might've ghostwritten for them is on a, is on a Sprite can. I love that person. <laughs> I love that person. I love that person. I am in love with that person. I'm in love with the cuckoo. Anyway, sorry. My person is the... Sorry. That that idea and that sort of, you know, uh, that that mystery and that idea of like, you know, musicians sort of all living this really lavish, awesome, crazy lifestyle uh, where they're just, you know, being given party drugs and having sex with groupies like left and right. Uh, I feel like building that up helps some musicians, but it helps the musicians who... but, But it hurts the musicians who are just starting out. And the people who are sort of on the lower rung need to deal with the bullshit that people throw at them. Because then everyone else conflates the mystical bullshit that you hear about musicians with like, they treat that as if it were a rubric with which to judge musicians and their success. And so then it's like, what is even happening here, right? Like, I'll tell someone I'm a rapper and they'll be like, oh, that's weird, like, da-da-da-da-da. And then they'll just assume that I'm hella broke because I'm an indie rapper. Sure. And <laughs> like, like, that is a common thing. And it's like, uh, why do you think that? Oh, because you're not exuding XYZ characteristic or whatever. And hmm. I don't know, that's really the problem. When people take, you know, Sprite can rappers bullshit propaganda mysticism uh you know pr campaign as the rubric with which to judge um the next bus driver album that's pretty whack sprite can rappers that is a genre now oh i know and even that is very interesting like vince staples is so clever right and like his 
the way he's been promoting Sprite in particular has been so interesting with its decidedly postmodern tongue-in-cheek vibe. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of very sort of uh, very artsy sort of, uh, uh, I guess, music endorsement ad campaigns going on right now. Not only with that whole Sprite thing, but with the whole like Kendrick Lamar Reebok like shoe deal yeah. that just went down <laughs> about like the 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 blood blue and crit red and yeah. blue, you know, sort of shoe concept, which is At just like Moses of the Reeboks. I know. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, lately I've been thinking about how rap stopped urging its listeners to express themselves without making purchases. Hmm. It's kind of bums me out. Like, I don't know, man, when I was a sophomore in high school, it was like the peak of the mixtape era and culture. And I just love that time. And my first release the mixtape, you know, like I, I don't know. I miss that shit. You you feel like the mixtape culture is kind of dead right now, or or it's just so saturated that it doesn't mean anything. For rap, it's at a point where it's considered less than artistic, and I just find that like a lot of people who listen to rap, they're they're not given opportunities to express themselves outside of just making purchases. I I, th- I think a lot of people have just kind of tuned out to that whole mixtape thing because it's because of just technology and everything. It's it's so easy for someone to make a mixtape, and and not to say that you know like what you were doing early on was really easy. I think simultaneously what people expect quality level when you say mixtape has like fallen dramatically. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's like it's easy to make a mixtape. It's it's easy to make a crappy mixtape, but still call it a mixtape and just be like, "Hey, dude, check out my mixtape." And that's not even something that I personally experience as somebody who reviews music. I mean, you know, the idea of somebody, you know, throwing their mixtape your way and trying to get you to listen to their mixtape is actually a pretty widely acknowledged meme on the internet because you know, pretty much anywhere that you go where people can comment freely on a forum or in the comment section of something, uh, somebody's like, Hey man, I'm broke. Will you listen to my mixtape? <laughs> so th- th- you're, are, are you, are you saying that like, um, that, that things were a little more fresh when they were free or I mean, the, the, uh, what, what is the preferred way in which you would like to be seeing rap fans sort of express themselves without making, you know, a, a purchase because at least in my experience, they're doing yeah, that all like, the time with, with social media and with angry comments and with, right. you know, pers- personal endorsements. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't think of that. Yeah. I don't think of that as like a creative endeavor, like a, an angry comment. I don't know, man. I don't pretend to have all the, the answers. I just, I feel weird right now when I look at rap and I look at just how much of it is being used to sell shit. That's all. It's not a new story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Um, So, so, so I think it's, it seems like acknowledging the fact that you make money off of this and you make a living off of this is, is one thing, but sort of co-opting it in such a way where it becomes sort of like semi an advertisement is kind of where the line is drawn for you. That's definitely where the line is drawn for me. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess I'd feel uncomfortable with that in my, in my own life. So, so moving on to, uh, uh, 
you know, just kind of uh, what people can expect from you in the in the near future. I mean, now that you're back in Milwaukee with this past Scallops Hotel project, you're obviously, you know, making quite a quite a bit of music out there. Um, and you said that you have a Milo project on the way. Uh, you know, when when can people expect the new Milo album? And now that you've, you know, sort of displayed to us kind of the the function of the Scallops Hotel project, you know, what what did you learn or do during plain speaking that you're going to apply in kind of a bigger and, and better and more significant way on your next Milo album? Um, I think maybe, maybe the most prominent aspect of the next Milo record is, uh, it's not very shy, <laughs> you know, it's not, um, it's not painfully self-aware. I'm not painfully self-aware anymore. Um, I'm able to say what I want to say without, mm without rationalizing it, without qualifying it, or without even really feeling the need to contextualize it that thoroughly. So I think that would be confusing mm. to a lot of people. Um, it's louder, man. But it's it's definitely like, the next Milo record is the one that I, I feel, I mean, I say this every time, but shit, man, I don't know. It, it feels really good. It feels dope. It feels like a breakthrough in the sense of, it has all the components of each album has been a lesson and it has all the components of those lessons, but it also is just this breakthrough moment. I, I, in a lot of ways, like with this one, I've been saying, I wish this could have been the first thing I ever made because it really feels like the first thing like, ah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's different. Well, I think, I think that's a great feeling and, and a feeling that any artist should actually strive for on each new release. I mean, even though in, in retrospect, you might look at your old stuff and just kind of be like, you know, man, I did that or, you know, that's all right, but I feel like I'm doing A, B, and C better now. Um, you know, even though you might look at that, that older stuff and, and, and feel that way, I, I, it's, it's still good to acknowledge that at that moment when you released it, you were like, yeah, you know, I feel like I've actually improved, uh, this time. And, and, you know, I, I think the moment, I, I I don't think you know you should you should consider releasing something until you kind of find that moment until you find that feeling like okay I'm at a point where I personally feel like I've 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 matured in some kind of way or I'm doing something oh, well, you mean, know really different or fulfilling or something. Uh, I yeah, I I would have loved for that to have been, but I am not willing to compromise and I want to be a rapper for a living. And so there are times you put out an album when you got to eat, man. <laughs> like that's just the reality of it um but yeah with this one everything worked out in that sense of timing and that really i mean ah man it comes out uh late september and okay yeah man it's it's uh it's called so the flies don't come kenny siegel made the beats and i wrote the raps it's, it's dope okay kenny siegel on the beats you're on the raps so the flies don't come it's coming this september uh now that you've kind of been solo for a while and you've established yourself as the solo artist who lives off of what they do, uh, you know, the moment you started working in, in this whole scallops hotel realm, mm -hmm. you know, well, like what, what were you thinking and kind of, where was your mind when you were on the border of sort of doing, you know, ugh, I'm doing a side project, you know, I can't believe it. Like, you know, what puts you in that position or kind of, oh, no. you know, how, how exactly do you communicate to the people who, love you for this one thing. And even though they love you, you know that there are people who, you know, who listen to what you do, who are going to try to 
pigeonhole you, you know, and, and are like, you know, uh, obviously, you know, <laughs> you're probably thinking, I know a guy like that who wears glasses <laughs> and is, is a total fucking dickhead who's talking to me right now. But, um, <laughs> you know, obviously you're not going to make everybody happy with every release and every single time you, you try to do something different. Um, you know, s sort of, uh, uh, it, it, it sounds like, you know, you're in a position though, where you're, uh, the, where, you know, your lack of self-awareness, I guess, you know, you kind of, you kind of benefit from that, you know, because the more people who start following you and listening to you, the more opinions are going to get thrown your way, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I feel fortunate to have a working relationship with you, Anthony, because, um, yeah, it has been interesting for me and especially kind of in a, in a weird public way to be like, oh man, this guy is cool, you know? And like, oh, he kind of put me on. And then be like, oh, he didn't like that one. Oh, he liked that. Oh, he didn't like, or whatever. And just having to like learn how to take criticism to a degree and learn also when to just ignore it, you know, entirely. And I, uh, sure. And I feel like when I moved to LA and then Toothpaste Suburb came out, that was really the pinnacle of me learning to ignore shit entirely. Because I mean, there were things going weird with Hellfire. There were things going weird with the records reception. And I was on tour writing a lot of music and just learning how to mute all of that shit out and, uh, yeah. and make a new thing despite it. And I'm very proud of it. I mean, that's, that's, that's really important. I mean, for not only for a few reasons, because I mean, I mean, it's it, obviously you make a living off of pleasing your fans However, you know, you can't break down your whole creative. What is it? You think that's the case? Well, I'm, uh, well, I, I'm saying, oh, yeah, I think that's the case unless I didn't sort of explain myself well enough. I feel like, you know, you, you obviously live off the fact that you make music that is pleasing to other people. If other, if other people had no interest in your music, if your music didn't please people, you know, uh, then you wouldn't be making a living off of uh, it. I mean, no, like nobody... There's like a little linguistic trick you just did. Okay. Like pleasing the if 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 it if it is if it is I mean if 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 there if there is it wasn't intentional like you know <laughs> t tell me t tell me tell me where I misstepped. No, I don't know if you misstepped. I just you said uh, I'm able to live by making music that pleases my fans. Sure. And I just. And and when I say please, I mean kind of maybe in the loosest terms, you know. Mm -hmm. like... I just don't know if I honestly don't. When I'm making a, a, a music, that thought doesn't come into my mind at all. Sure. And, and, and not that it should, you know. Um, you know, I, I think when you're in the middle of the, you know, music making process, you should be ultimately focused on just the thing that you are making right then and there. I think when the thought of when I, I think the thought of whether or not this is going to be received well when when that thought should cross your mind is probably when all the tracks are assembled and the album is there just in its in its finished glory and you can kind of see the bigger picture for what it is because you know while you might have an idea or a concept for what you want to make while you're in the middle of making it when it's actually done it may end up like something totally different you know mm -hmm. um and and the thing is even though you have an idea you don't know what you're making you don't even really fully know what it is yet until it's completely realized um so i mean yeah i mean in 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 a in a weird sense i mean in in a very i guess a technical and frank sense 
you do make a living off the fact that people enjoy your music and they want to pay for it or they want to go to a show or they want to kind of support you in some kind of monetary way. No doubt. Um, however, however, yeah, however, you can't derail your whole creative process because of one opinion one fan sent you. And, you know, as far as people who are in my position go, I mean, while I do have opinions about your music and, and you're free to watch those opinions or any opinion that I make, you know, I don't make those opinions with with you in mind, you know, um, you know, just just like you don't make music necessarily with the thought in mind that like, oh, are, are, are my fans going to like this? You know what I'm making right here, you know, because you, you again, you don't even in the middle of the creative process, until something is done, you don't even know what it is yet. You know, it's, it's kind of a preposterous place to just start thinking, are people going to like this? You know, it's, it's not even done yet. Damn. Yeah, I agree. We're on the same page. What, what you're doing on this record beat wise, uh, you know, obviously working with this, with this new producer for the duration of the whole record. Um, you're, you're saying the, the album is louder and, and you're less shy would would you go as far as to say the album is like aggressive in a way in any way or is it just you know rather rather than speaking ra- rather than speaking in a whisper you're kind of taking more of a stern tone i mean it's about it's about confronting i would say so uh i don't know is there aggression in a confrontation yeah probably um i don't know if i would say it's aggressive though I would say the mission is to be confronting things, confronting a lot of like the ugly. So Wittgenstein talks about like, what if, you know, truth isn't the be all end all? What if beauty is? Hmm. And what if what is ugly is what is wrong? And you have to confront the ugly. And, you know, truth is participating in what is beautiful and just kind of switching those ideas around and so I, I don't know this album's a lot about confronting the ugly inside myself and outside of myself and as it relates to color in this country and as it relates to class in this country and as it relates to education and things like that um and i mean the title too so the flies don't come is about what activities what do you do so uh you know these ugly things that signify death what do you do so that they don't come? Thank you for uh, shedding light on that, dude. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. This is the first time I've really talked to anyone about the record outside of Kenny and, you know, like Al and my dad and a few other people. So uh, my language about it might be a little shaky or weird because it's been very um, in my own head. And uh, uh, so you're telling me what you're kind of doing with the record conceptually and, and what you're mm-hmm. doing with the record lyrically, you know, sort of focusing in on these topics. Uh, wh- what is it about Kenny's production that made you want to, you know, sort of stick with him for the duration of this record? Like, what is he doing musically and sonically that, that you feel like makes for an appropriate backdrop to these kinds of songs with these kinds of topics? Well, for me, it was um, to kind of, I guess, loop back to what we were talking about in the beginning, um, moving to L.A., L.A. as this mecca of of a particular style of rap, and then, by extension, freestyle. And, um, you know, these artists who are linked very closely with the jazz and blues tradition, um, poetry tradition, and just this kind of open-minded, you know, 
probing that's happening through music. Uh, that that really through rap. That really for me, my understanding of that is is that it's in L.A. and that the people who started doing that kind of rap cats like Micah Nine and Self Jupiter and you know it's too many to name are in L.A. So hmm. for me, it became a matter of who is a producer here who is totally aware of this brilliant tapestry who has a complete understanding of this music maybe deeper than me and um hmm. the person i was able to access in my circles was kenny siegel and i mean kenny siegel used to live with peace from fellowship from freestyle fellowship like with abstract rude like he has so many legendary i mean he's in the cleaners of self jupiter like he's worked with legends you know and um guys that really have influenced my understanding of myself and my music and my craft and so having the opportunity to work with Kenny Siegel was an honor. And when our first couple songs were really good and it became obvious, like maybe we could do a whole album, even knowing that was something that he was willing to do, that, that, that was why I wanted to do it. You know what I mean? That Kenny Siegel would even make an album with me was like, wow, of course I would do that. And it became an opportunity to explore myself and this art that I love in this place where it came from with the actual cast, you know, like Micah Nine is on the album. Um, and so, yeah, having like Kenny Siegel production, Micah Nine's on the thing, like I'm I'm with my, my Hellfire guys writing a lot of these songs. Like it just, I wanted to have a total, I guess, L.A. experience. And so that is what that, that, that record is. So- so b- before I uh, so so you you feel like even in Milwaukee you're making a record thematically that kind of has an LA vibe to it. So 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 you feel like even though you're you you personally uh, uh, no, no no I'm sorry my bad we um so this record I made it in LA I went um, back in May and recorded with Kenny for like 14 days. Oh, okay. You didn't say that. You didn't say that. I know. That's what I mean. That's what I'm sorry. I'm confusing you. Um, Okay. And we had actually done a few of the songs at the very first Low End Theory Festival. Like right after it was when I met Kenny Siegel and went to his house. We recorded like three jams. And then, yeah, I went back in May after I'd already moved back to Milwaukee. And um, that's when we really did the heavy lifting on the album. It's it's awesome that you bring up freestyle fellowship because they're a group that's not often referenced even though you know like the 90s are kind of hip right now again as Mm -hmm. as far as like hip-hop you know like referencing a lot of those older groups a lot of the hardcore groups and boom bap groups and jazz rap groups and whenever anybody asks me about jazz rap that's one of the first groups i recommend (laughs) um i i feel like more that you know although i do love a tribe called quest I felt like they kind of, for their time, embodied the idea of jazz more than they did. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they embodied the idea of the jazz performer and the jazz mind and really getting crazy open on these songs, both stylistically and lyrically. And I mean, truly, right, with with the improvised, you know, making up full songs on the spot. I mean, that, that alone really pushes it yeah i agree with you <laughs> um all right dude i mean we've been talking for so goddamn long and i, yeah. I think I, I think i'm gonna cut it off here just for just for everybody else's sake 
And I mean, you told me a lot about the record, and I appreciate that. And I, I oh, thank you. No, thank you for coming on and just you know being real open, like like you usually are. I try to be. So uh, thanks for giving me an opportunity to, man. No problem, dude.